get into the word today. You guys ready? Let's get into the word of God today. Um, I, I got. I'm starting a new series. We're starting a series on the book of Hebrews, and we're going to be in there for I don't know, maybe about eight weeks or so. But the book of Hebrews is an incredible book, and I titled the series "Anchored." Anchored because it is an anchor that, if you read the book of Hebrews, it really is something that connects the Old Testament and God's uh, relationship with humanity all the way to the New Testament with Jesus and how we're connected through Jesus now. Like the Old Testament was through the law and through kind of more of a religious sense of like, God says, I'll be your father, I'll take care of you if you would do these things for me and live this life for me. And then came Jesus who said, never mind the law and all of that. Like I came, I fulfilled the law, but I'm going to make the sacrifice now. It's done through relationship. It's through love and all that we have. But Hebrews is this book that's awesome. It kind of explains the old and the new, and it's kind of bridges the gap. And what the book of Hebrews really focuses on is for us to stay anchored to Jesus, that Jesus is the reason, he's the focus, he's the cornerstone. All the Old Testament pointed towards Jesus. The New Testament was Jesus, and everybody talking about Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Amen? So Hebrews, we're going to get into that. I'm excited. But, but there's a verse in Hebrews, one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 6.19, in the New Living Trans- Translation version says this. It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And as we read the book of Hebrews, we're understanding that the hope he's talking about is hope in Jesus. Jesus is the focus. So hope in Jesus is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls that leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. So there's this concept that I want to talk about and keep us focused on is that everything works in life if we stay anchored to Jesus Christ. Now the word anchor here, it's got this strong symbolism. It's got this, this picture. You see that anchor on that rope and, and um, there's a different picture I'm going to use in a minute here. But this picture of the anchor, it has, it has strong meaning. Here's what the word anchor means. It means to firmly secure something into position. It means to provide a firm basis or foundation, and it's something that gives stability in life. I have some anchor stories. There's a lot of reasons why I love this verse in Hebrews talking about Jesus is my anchor. God has given me a few uh, adventurous experiences in understanding the importance of having an anchor. A few years back, I went on a, a little mini surf mission, right, with a few of my friends. I think Pastor Tom was there. Pastor Tom, were you on this trip? You were there. Okay, Tom was there, me and Tom, and I think two other guys, yeah? Was there four of us? Four of us went on this little surf mission a few years back to this reef break that you got to you come out of Kaneohe Bay, and it's kind of a far paddle. It's on the other side of the marine base, and um, we paddled it in kayaks one time, dragging our surfboards. We thought that would be faster than paddling surfboards. It took us a full hour to get out there, so it's, it's kind of a mission to get this place. So we had an idea. We got this little dinghy in our friend's yard, but it looks like this. That was a picture that they're going to show. Go ahead and show that picture now. Little dinghy from literally from 1970. This is the ad for the boat when it was brand new in 1970. Fishing boats used to be pretty much alike, then Sears and a marine engineer came up with the game fisher and so this was the little boat that was sitting in our friend's yard for all of these years and the beauty of it is one molded piece of fiberglass right which is great it's all one piece it can't fall apart it's it was literally made for about one person to go fishing we had four of us in our boards and we missioned it out there Fiberglass, if it sits in the sun and in your yard for like 30, 40 years, it becomes the thing that you don't ever, ever want to touch. 
It's like if you can think of the smoothest, most beautiful, silky surface, and then think of the opposite. That's fiberglass after sitting in the sun. So you try to climb in and out of this boat, and you just tore up with fiberglass shards in your arms. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever felt old, itchy? Oh, I hate that feeling. It doesn't go away. So we took this boat. We thought it would be a good idea to take it out to this spot. And a tiny little motor. It took us so long to motor out there, and it's like barely above sea level, right? Because four people in a one-man boat. But we get out to the spot, and we, we go, and it's a spot that's kind of deserted. Nobody really surfs there, which means there's always like sharks, right? Because it's not a like well-populated. So it's kind of spooky, but the waves are good. And if you surf, it's worth it, right? It's worth If I get bit, minor, the waves are good, right? So we, we risk it. So we anchor the boat on the inside where the water's a little bit deeper, you know, because you don't want to be right over the reef. So we drop the anchor, right? And we tie it to the front of the boat. You can see that there's actually a little, right in the very front of the boat, there's like a little handle. Like a, it's a part of the boat, but it's just where you can tie the anchor. So we tied the rope and the chain and anchored it to the bottom. Then you have to jump out of the boat and paddle out to where the waves are. So we surf for a few hours, like two hours, three hours, Tom. And then we're like, oh, yeah, this is good. And we look back. And the boat is gone. The boat is like gone. And we're like, we know it's small, but it's not that small. So we, we go flying in. Oh, no, where's the boat? Because we're far from land. We don't have to paddle. Like I said, a little bit sharky and everything, right? So we paddle. We finally see it. And it's way back. So we chase it down, or at least one of us did. Went, chased it, got in the boat. We came over to where this boat was anchored previously. And we're wondering... Did the knot come undone? Did, did the anchor not hold? Like, like, what happened? And all we see is we see part of the rope that's still there, and it's tied to a piece of fiberglass about this long. <laughs> that little handle, after 40 years, literally just broke off, and it's floating. I'm still here. <laughs> and it's like, then we had to freak out because we're like, somebody's got to go get the anchor. That's a good anchor. We got to get that. No mask or anything. And it's anchored kind of deep. And it, like I said, sharky, who wants to dive down and get that thing? There's eels and we junk in a pole. Who's going? Who's going? You're in, you know? So somebody had to dive down and we finally like somehow swam the anchor up. I don't know. They had fins or something, got it up, threw it in the boat and the whole deal. And we just had this crazy adventure. And part of the the thing that I, I learned in the fact of like, you got to have a good anchor. You got to be anchored. You got to know what you're anchored to. This is the funny thing, is and it, and, it, and it relates to me like Jesus is. The anchor was good. The anchor held. The rope held. The boat was broken. Right? There's something wrong with the boat when you can't even. And I, and I read Hebrews. And here's the thing about Hebrews that we're gonna look at today is Hebrews is a book that was actually written to people who had been caught up in Jewish tradition and been like obeying the law and been obeying the Ten Commandments and that was their way to connect with God. That's Old Covenant. That's Old Testament. Is that God would be be our protector and our father if we would do all the things to keep our life pure and holy. So they would make the sacrifices. They would go to temple. They would talk to the priest to intercede to God for them because they couldn't go directly to God. This is just how it was in the Old Testament, right? And so these people now, this is who the audience of Hebrews is written to, They'd come out of that because they found Jesus. And now the, the writer is writing this book, and it's about 30 to 35 years after Jesus had come to earth, died, resurrected, and he'd gone up to heaven. It's only about 30, 35 years later, within the same generation lifetime. But they're starting to have second thoughts. Hey, we believed in Jesus. We took up that. We, we did away with the old religious system and all that. But 
that old religious system was kind of nice. It was kind of easy. We knew exactly what to do. We knew when we were doing good and when we were doing bad by breaking the law. And it was all about outward action. And we're kind of thinking maybe this Jesus thing, maybe we're having second thoughts and we're looking back at religion and all of the, the angels that spoke to us before, the prophets, Moses, Abraham, the priests. We kind of, maybe we like that system better. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, don't go back to that. He goes, the whole, the whole point of Hebrews is hold on to Jesus as the anchor for your life. And what's happening is the anchor is strong. The anchor is sure and steadfast, and he's trustworthy. The problem is, which speaks to us in today's day and age, is sometimes the lines that's tied to it and the boat and the grip that we have on Jesus as our anchor gets a little shaky, and it breaks off, and then we're set adrift in life. And the whole point of Hebrews is... There's a lot of good things in life, but Jesus is the anchor. Don't get spiritually adrift by missing out and being tied to Jesus. So that's what Hebrews is all about. We're going to get into that. I'm, I'm excited about it. But I want to talk real quickly about this. If we talk about Jesus is the anchor, he's better than all other anchors, what are some of the other anchors in our life? Because this is a good question to ask. There's anchors that we have in life that if, it, if the definition is that it secures us, it puts us in a firm basis or foundation, it gives us stability, what are some of the things in yours and my life that give us Ah, safety. That give us security. That make our lives stable. When things are flying around and we're getting all confused, we can count on these people or these things to go, okay, I'm in my happy place. This is good again. Because I think we first have to recognize what some of the other anchors are before we can compare them to who Jesus is and how he anchors our life. Are you guys hearing me on that? So what would you say are things in your life that you would say, man, that, that kind of helps anchor me to a firm foundation. It just gives me a good uh, perspective and safety. Anybody, raise a hand. I want to see some anchor. Family, that is a huge one. Family is a big one. It gives us security and a, and a place of refuge. Someone else? Spouse. Spouse, right? How many of you guys are thankful for your husband or wife? You, everybody better raise their hand right now. If you're married, <laughs> if you know what's good for you, raise your hand. Yes, I am. No matter what happened on the way up here to church this morning. Someone else? finances, money. It's true, right? It can be a bad thing, but it's also a really good thing, right? It kind of, oh, I'm okay. I'm, I'm taken care of. Someone else right there. God's work. So doing what? Word. The word of God. Is that what you're saying? Sorry, I'm a little deaf on stage. I don't know. The word. God's word. It directs us, right? It gives us like peace. There's absolutely. Someone else. Any? What's that? Pastors and prophets? Yeah. Pastors and prophets. Amen. Good people, godly people speaking in your life. Someone else, I heard someone yell something. Your pets. How many of you guys have pets? Come on, you know what the, the stuff says? Pets add years to your life, right? They calm you down. I love Fido. And it calms. It, it really works, right? That's another. That's a great one. Someone else, another hand right there. Hobbies, right? So different things you do to get your mind off of all the stress that you have. That's good. Patrick. Housing. Housing. Having a place to go to that's your sanctuary that you can get away and the, you got a roof over your head. That's really good, right? We need that. In the very back row, I see someone. Close friends. Sorry? Close friends. Close friends. Absolutely. These are, these are good practical things. You got another one? God. God. God is a big one. We're going we're gonna to get to him in a minute here. He's the focus. What else? The other practical... Did I see a hand over here? Anybody else right there? 
Job, yes. How many of you guys are thankful for your job? Despite who you work with, you are thankful that you have income and, and, and money flowing into your life. Anybody else? Can you think of anything? These are good. These are just practical things. I see someone in the back over there. Go ahead. Your neighbors? Your church and your neighbors. Are your neighbors at church and, or both? Both is good, right? Because some of us have bad neighbors, you know, their dog does stuff on our lawn, and that's a bad neighbor. Some of us got, like, I baked you cookies. Good neighbor. You know, there's neighbors, church, right here. Prayer. Prayer. Ooh, prayer is a good one, yeah, to go to. But look at all of these things right here. These are just some of the things that we talked about this morning, some of the things that you guys threw out here. I want you to realize this. Everything on this list and all the things that you guys just threw out, those are actually really good anchors in life. Don't miss this. The point of Hebrews and what the author is trying to say is that there's a lot of really good stuff out there, but Jesus is better than all of that kind of stuff. And we, it's good to have that stuff, but here's what he's saying. Jesus is better. If you're going to throw your rope onto an anchor, let Jesus be the anchor for your soul. The word soul here has to do with not just bad circumstances or confusing times. Soul is saying your entire being, who you are at all times, meaning your past, your present, and your future. You tie everything in your life to Jesus because nothing compares to Jesus. Now, he's not saying that stuff's bad because we all have that. In fact, Jesus gives us that stuff to work through in our lives that he can work through us to anchor. But If we're throwing our anchors to that stuff instead of him, then we're getting off track and we're missing the best life possible that he has planned for us. Amen? Jesus, it all comes back down to Jesus. And so Hebrews, like I said, is is written, they don't even know who wrote it. Some people say the Apostle Paul. Some people say, no, it's not quite his style. Um, Some people say it was maybe Apollos or these other guys. No one knows for sure who wrote it, but all we know is that the main point in Hebrews is here's a bunch of Jewish Christians that used to be fully caught up in, the, in Judaism and the laws of Moses and the Old Testament law, which was good. That was God's old plan. They found Jesus, and they're living that life, and they're anchored to him, but their anchor's starting to slip. And they're starting to look at other people, and they're starting to look at, back at their old religion, and not bad stuff, but just there's better in Jesus. And that's where we kind of pick up this pace. And I want to I give you three things today, three things that I see in the book of Hebrews. We're going to talk about an overview of the whole book here today, and then in the next few weeks, we're going to dig into it. We're going to look at the main things that it teaches us. But here's the first thing to write down if you're writing anything down. The book of Hebrews teaches this. Jesus is better than anyone else. Bottom line. Jesus is better than anyone else. Hebrews, very first verse in Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors. He's talking to the Jewish people through the prophets. Back in the old days, God spoke to man through prophets. In other words, there was a middleman connection. And in the old way of doing things, it wasn't God talking directly to, to, to a man. It was Moses or a prophet where God spoke to holy people that had the, the Holy Spirit. He would speak to them and they would give messages to the people. But he says, in verse 2, now in these final days, he's actually spoken to us through his own son. That God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. In other words, Jesus, the one that you guys knew of, because remember, it's only been 30 years since Jesus was on the scene. Remember, you guys knew him? Jesus is the man. 
In the old days, he spoke through other people, but now Jesus actually came as the Son of God, as a representation of God. He came down, and he's the co-creator of the universe. Verse 3, the Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right place, or at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. In other words, he's the one that brought salvation. He died for us. Hebrews 4.15 says, This high priest we have in Jesus understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. And I love this about Jesus, is that he knows our hurts and our burdens and the stuff that we carry because he came down and became one of us. Emmanuel, God with us. He became one of us. So when we go to him and we talk to him and we pray, it's not just some God that's out there. We're talking to Jesus, the one that lived the life, that faced the temptations, that dealt with the hurt and the heartache and the letdowns and everything that this world and humanity could throw at him. And then he said, but I'm going to do it without blowing it, without sin. I'm going to prove to you that I walked in your shoes but I did it perfectly. And then we can, we can know that about our God. So here's the first point that I see in Hebrews. It's very critical that we have to get as we go into the rest of the book. And if you're writing, writing notes, write this one down. is anchor your life to Christ, not just to other Christians. See, he's in Hebrews talking about there was angels, there was prophets, there was Moses, there was Abraham, there was all the royal priesthood of Aaron. There was all of these amazing godly people and they actually did really good things. But what he's saying is, Jesus is better than all of those godly people. And here's how I apply it to my life today. There's people I respect immensely in my life. There's people that I know that are, for, for, that are close friends, that advise me, that lead me and, and like pray over me and do these awesome things. Speak into my life, speak wisdom. There's leaders that I follow. I listen to their sermons. I podcast them. I read books. And what the, the author of Hebrews is saying is there is a lot of good, godly people out there, and we should take what they have, but don't anchor your life to godly people, anchor your life to God. Does that make the point? That he's saying, Jesus is better than all of those godly people that he's put in your life, and they're good, and we got to listen to our pastors, we listen to our Christian friends, our spouse, there are some good people, but remember, it's like Paul said, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, the only good thing that I got to offer that's in me is the fact that I follow Jesus Christ. And so it's good to say, man, I love that guy's book and I love all of that stuff. But if I become a groupie of godly men, then I'm hooking my anchor to what men will say and what men will teach me and what men will pray over my life. And I'm missing the fact that it's God that is my true anchor. It's God that meets my needs. It's God that speaks into my life. Those people are just speaking for God. So it's not a bad thing. We need one another. We need to speak into one another's lives. But the, the Hebrew people were getting caught up on, oh, the angels are so awesome. They came and they did this. And oh, those prophets, we love our Moses. And let's look at every law that he ever wrote. And we want to go back to that. And he's reminding them, no, no, no. Jesus is better than anybody else. People will let you down. Did you know that Jesus is better than your husband right now? How many of you wives, you knew that right now? Some of you guys, oh, yeah, don't tell me. Yep, two hands in the air, right? <laughs> Jesus is better than your husband. Jesus is better than your wife. As cool as your wife is and newlyweds, you're in that season. No, oh, my wife is. A Jesus is better than your wife. Jesus is better than your best friend, your mentor. Jesus is better than any 
pastor that's out there, any leader, any author, any speaker, anybody that you know where you go, that's an anchor for my life, that's so good. Jesus goes, I'm better. And don't ever lose sight of the fact that it's just me in them that you like so much. Don't just like them. Remember who the real anchor is. That's the first lesson that I see in in Hebrews is our lives can get turned upside down. And we don't know which way is up. And people speak into it. And they speak good things. But the source we need to go to is Jesus. Another anchor story I have is when I was 12 years old, I went out. uh, This is before I was stand-up surfing, right? I was bodyboarding still. And I was bodyboarding, and we jumped in a boat. Myself, my dad, and the guy that owned the boat. And we went out to Rabbit Island. You guys know where Rabbit Island is? Out by Makapu, right in front of Sea Life Park, that, that island out there. And on the right conditions and the right swell, it produces one of the greatest right-hand waves on island, right? Little known fact. I hope I didn't just blow it. Now everybody's going to get out there. They're all going to be mad at Pastor Carl for giving away that fact. Don't go out there. It's terrible. Never, ever go out there. But anyways, I went out there in a boat, and we went to surf, and I was a little kid, jumped off the boat, was, was surfing waves. There was a lull between waves, a long wait when the waves came. So I started inching closer and closer towards the island where the waves are kind of breaking. A freak set came in, a big one, and it took me down. And it took me down, and it washing machined me so hard that I lost my equilibrium. Like I didn't know literally which way was up and which way was down. My eyes were open, but all I saw was black. It was like hard and deep. And I was like, I was swimming thinking I was going up, but I think I was going down. Like I just didn't know. And for a few seconds, I panicked like no other. You know, that fear of drowning is just like the the craziest fear. And in my little 12-year-old brain, I was like, I am going to die before the eighth grade, you know? And I was just panicking. And, I, you know, it seems like it's like half an hour, but you're only under probably like five seconds or whatever. But then I came up just gasping for air, water in the lungs, like crying the whole deal, just terrified, paddled it over, get, trying to get to that boat. And I remember uh, my dad and the other guy that's there, they're, they're giving me like advice to call me. Hey, it's okay. You're good. You got this. You made it. And they're, just drink some water and you'll feel better. And just, just like relax. Don't, don't kick so hard. Just, just take a break right there. And all the stuff that they're saying was really, really good advice. But all I wanted to do was get to the safety of that anchored boat and just get out of that water, get away from those waves, and just sit there and kind of find my stability and my confidence and my peace again. Now, here's, here's what I get out of that is there's going to be a lot of voices and people giving you good advice and talking to you, and it's all good, but there's no substitute for paddling right over to that anchor, which is Jesus Christ, that secures your soul, that speaks to you in a way when... I hear good messages and I read good books, man, I I, I get encouraged. But when I personally go to my God in prayer, who knows me better than anybody knows me at all, who puts up with all of my mistakes and my hurts, and all he ever does is speak encouragement and hope and love and tell me I can do it and strengthens me and gives me the power of the Holy Spirit and surrounds me with people that love me and changes things. When I pray, things actually get better. There is no substitute for that in my life. Jesus has got to be the one and only anchor. Jesus is better than anyone else. That's the first thing you read about in Hebrews. Here's the second thing. Jesus is better than religion. Jesus is better than religion. Hebrews 8.13 says, When God speaks of a new covenant through Jesus, the New Testament, it means that he has made the first one, the old way, the old agreement, the covenant, the contract, the Old Testament with its, with its law and its offerings and its sacrifices and its priests, he's made that first one obsolete. It is now out of date and it will soon disappear. Hebrews 9.13 says, Under the old system, Old Testament, 
The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. But just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Now here's what he's saying. In a nutshell, Jesus is better than religion. All of these people now in Hebrews are kind of going, we like that old religious system. We're thinking about going back to it. It was easy. We knew what to do. You make sacrifices. You do this stuff. You could earn your way to having rightness with God. And God said, but that's the old system. It wasn't good enough. I've got a better plan now. And his name is Jesus. He's my son. I sent him there to give you something better than what you had before. What I had before was, I'll be your God and I'll take care of you and I'll love you if you will live lives that I consider holy, that are set apart, where you have to sacrifice animals. Blood must be shed in order to have forgiveness of sins and atonement for sins. That's the system that God set up, is that he didn't speak to us personally. He spoke through the priests and through the prophets and you had to go and speak to them to speak to God. And he goes, the problem wasn't with God in that situation. The problem was with men and women. We couldn't keep our end of the bargain. And so God goes, it's too hard. It's not working. So I got a better plan now. And I'm sending Jesus now. So now Jesus becomes a once and for all high priest. We don't have to go to all these priests and make all these sacrifices all the time. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. He paid with his own life, with his own blood. He bought us back. And now through relationship with him, and living our lives with him and being real with him, we have direct access to God. We have salvation. That's the whole message of Christianity. It's not about religious rules and regulations anymore. It's about having a real and true and living um, relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's what I get from this third point, is that we should anchor our life to Christ. Oh, I'm sorry. We need, yeah, we need to anchor our life to Christ. The second point, not just to Christianity. We can make Christianity our own little religion and think that we're doing all the good things and that's going to get us into a right place with God. That's religion. Jesus wasn't into religion. He came to make a relationship to get rid of that or that religious spirit that says, the better I do and the more I look good and the more things that I do, I can earn my way in. There's a lot of us Christians that go around doing all the works, but we're not really anchored to God. We're anchored to the works, right? And we don't want to admit it, but sometimes we get so caught up in doing the right Christian stuff that we think that's good enough. And God's going, but, but I never knew you. Oh, well, let's connect. Connect to Jesus, not to Christianity. I asked my daughter about this the other day. She had a day off from school because it was a teacher's day or something like that on Friday. And she's 16 years old. And I was working on the sermon. And I'm going, I'm working on the sermon. She's home. How do I connect? I need to work on the sermon, but I, I, I want to connect with my daughter. Again, she could be out of the house in a year and a half. I need to make, make time for these, these moments. So I just, I ran the sermon by her. I go, hey, Kai, this is what I'm teaching about this weekend. And I didn't know where it was going to go. I was just trying to connect somehow, right? I go, what do you think about this? And I gave her a little bit of a, an overview that Hebrews is about Jesus, not Christians, but finding Christ, and not Christianity, but finding Christ. I go, what do you think about that, how people get sidetracked by, by religious stuff and they miss Jesus? And she began to share with me, and I was like, yeah, awesome, we're connecting, this is good, she's sharing. And in her 16-year-old mind, she started giving me some pretty neat insight here, and what she started talking about here, what she said, well, here's what I think, Dad. She goes, I think people really like to do the big, obvious, godly stuff. 
Like, what do you mean? She goes, you know that movie, God's Not Dead? That's an awesome movie. People get excited. And it makes you want to go and do something really big and like dramatic and take a stand for God. And I said, yeah. She goes, that's good. But sometimes people just get caught up in wanting to do the big thing and not the little thing. And I go, okay, elaborate more, young grasshopper. You know, like, t- <laughs> teach me your ways. And she, she was on to something. So she started talking about this. She goes, I, you know... I kind of get caught up this, and I know friends like this, we get so fired up on worship and worshiping God and worship songs that we're so quick to download the latest album and to sing the the latest songs and all of that that we're so stoked on the worship songs, but we kind of forget to worship God. We just get caught up in being a groupie of the stuff. And I'm like, oh, this this is good stuff. And she goes, yeah, you know, like like people that are so concerned with, I've done, I haven't missed one day of reading my Bible in the past 16 years. And she goes, that's good. We're supposed to read our Bible, but sometimes those people aren't getting anything out of it. They're not even connecting with God. I was like, yeah. And she goes, and then what about like, you know, we do all these big projects for God. Like you, she goes, you could go on a mission trip and, and go over there to serve God and go through all the motions without ever, ever connecting with Jesus personally on your own, just doing all the stuff that's godly stuff. And I'm like, you get, you're my daughter, aren't you? you? You should be preaching. This is good, right? And she was making a point just of what I'm trying to say here is we can get caught up in doing all the good stuff that looks good on the outward, and it is good stuff, but we can miss the heart of Jesus and not be anchored to him at all. We can be anchored to the religion and not anchored to Jesus Christ. And she goes, what I think is that we should be the kind of people that are like it's an inner change that Jesus changes from the inside to the outside, not the opposite. And she goes, and I like the kids that I see at school that aren't um, all proud of like, uh, say, a Christian club or a mini church or something where it's going deep and we're all growing together and we're all mature in the Lord and all this. She goes, I like the ones, the kids that I see that are reaching out to the kids that are still struggling and they're not Christian and it's messy. They're having weird conversations and the mini, mini church is a little bit weird because you don't know which direction it's going to go next. She goes, that's the kind of mini churches I think Jesus wants us to have. That we're connected to him and his business more than the outward appearance of what it is to be a good Christian. Does that make sense? And I'm having this cool conversation with my kid who gets it. And this is what, what it's all about is that we need to make sure that we're not just anchored to Christianity. We're anchored directly to Jesus Christ. And we're about his purposes. And some of that looks like, uh, like serving God and mission trips and church attendance and having daily devotions and stuff. But don't lose the Jesus Christ in the midst of your Christianity. Does that, that make sense? So that's the, the next big thing that I see is that in, in the book of Hebrews is Jesus is better than religion. Don't fall into religion. And then the, the last thing that he talks about here is in, in Hebrews is that Jesus is only better if you stay anchored. Hebrews 10, 32 says, think back on the early days when you first learned about Christ. And he's talking to these Jewish believers that really had to sacrifice a lot of the old system and they had to suffer for their decision to become Christians. But even in our lives, think of when you first became a Christian. Think of how stoked you were. Think of how you found something that you didn't know existed before. That there's someone that could love you and forgive you and give you hope and not judgment and condemnation, but love and forgiveness. That there's a God that you connected to and you didn't understand that when you would pray, you felt different. 
and that you would pray for things and things would happen because there's a God that loves you and that wants to change your life for the better. And when you would come into church and you begin to sing these songs that speak about this God that loves you, something changed in your attitude and your heart and your spirit. And when you listen to songs on the radio, it doesn't do the same thing. It may move you, it may get you excited, but something's different. Remember the first love and what it was like to know that you're a Christian, to know Jesus loves you. And he's reminding of this. And he goes, remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering. These people, they had to go through some stuff. Remember that sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and you were beaten and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail and when, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew that there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Amen. Verse 35, so don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he's promising. The third thing that he's saying here in scripture in Hebrews is Jesus is really only better if you stay anchored. You can talk about Jesus, you can learn about him, but if you're not putting it into practice and holding on and having patient endurance to go, this is the right way, I'm going to stay anchored to Jesus, you're going to miss out on all the blessing. There's a lot of people that I know that know a lot about Christianity, but they're not anchored to Jesus. I talked to someone this morning that said, hey, I talked to my friend and we all go out to lunch often. She goes to this other church and we started talking in our talk and we were talking about Jesus and pressing into Jesus. And she goes, I don't really know Jesus. Like, what? You go to this church, you go every week. Yeah, I know, but I, I'm, I don't really know him. You know, I'm not really connected. And she's, she heard the sermon this morning. She goes, man, I'm going to show her all of these verses because without really being connected, you're missing out. If you can know all there is to know about Jesus, but you're not living out the life that is anchored to him, you don't know how good he can actually be. You're, you're missing out on something. So stay anchored. Keep the covenant. Stick to the plan. Keep him as the center, center of your life. Anchor Jesus to your whole life, not just parts of it, or you won't know how good he is. The words, when it says... Um, in Hebrews 6.19, this hope we have in Jesus is an anchor for our soul. Remember what I said? It's your entire being. That means you don't just anchor your hard times to Jesus. You anchor the good times to Jesus too. Otherwise, you get too proudful and start thinking that you brought all the good, good times in your own life on your own. But when you say, God, my good times are anchored to you as well. You're the one that brings them. Then he brings more of them. And the, the times of confusion, God, I don't really know what to do. I could do this my own way. Or I could anchor myself to Jesus. Jesus has an answer for everything in your life. Your family, your money, your hobbies, your pets. Your all, all of the way that you deal with everything in life is saying that Jesus is the answer. So don't get thrown off base. Don't go into religiosity. Don't go into to thinking other godly people are great. Remember that it all comes back to Jesus. Stick with the original plan. Here's a lesson I learned. I watched this movie the other night on Netflix. I love Netflix, but... I watched a movie called Sriracha. Anybody see that movie yet? Did anybody? Has anybody? It's, it's a hidden gem. I'm telling you right now. Go home. Netflix it. It's talking about this stuff right here. Anybody know the rooster sauce? Come on. Who loves this stuff? 
We love it, don't we? Doesn't matter what culture you're from. It started out as like Vietnamese. It's Vietnamese, Thai, Chinese, Mexican food, Japanese food. I mean, they literally have it all over the place, right? You guys know the bottle. You recognize it. It's good stuff. It's good hot stuff. Well, there's a story. There's a whole movie documentary on Sriracha. And because I love this, I'm like, I got to watch this movie. It's not like one of my favorite movies. And the deal is, it started off like this. Here's the story. There's this guy, David Tran. I have a picture of him. The guy that started and owns the company. Check this guy out. Look at his shirt. I put sriracha on my sriracha. Hardcore! (laughs) This dude knows what's up. This guy immigrated. um, I got the story right here. In 1980, he immigrated from Vietnam, and he made it to Los Angeles, where he started making his own hot sauce in the back of a little Chinatown restaurant or whatever, because there was no good hot sauce in the United States, and he had to make some, right? So he made his own. He started selling it out of his van. He just kept, he kept making it and selling it. He stayed focused. He made a good product, and the, the company successfully grew to, in 2012, he'd sold... In 2012 alone, 20 million bottles of this stuff and had brought in over $60 million in revenue from a guy that started making it and selling it out of his van, right, in 1980. And here's the amazing thing that you, that you read about this is that other products are using his sauce now too. So Pringles makes sriracha chips, Lay's makes sriracha chips, P.F. Chang's Restaurant, Subway, Gordon Biersch, Pillsbury, Jack Link's Beef Jerky, all of these other products are going, this stuff is magic, this stuff is gold, right? And so he's making multi-million dollars worth of this stuff. But here's the thing that's so incredible. He says from 1980 till now, every single year, he has grown with 20% increase in revenue every year. Every year, he just makes more and more money. He grows by 20% every year. You know how amazing that is in the business world, growth of 20% every year since then? But here's the thing that blew me away the most. He never spent one penny on advertising or on salespeople. He never, ever has publicly advertised this sauce. You cannot find a magazine ad, an online ad. He doesn't even advertise this sauce. You know why? He knows that he's making a good thing. He doesn't deviate from the plan. Here's my recipe. I just keep making that. Stick to the plan. Be focused. Make sure it's cheap. Just keep doing this good thing. And you know what? The increase just kept on coming. He didn't have to go vocal, verbal, outward. He didn't have to advertise. He just knew what he was doing was good, and the growth came. This is what I relate to my Christian life is. If I stay anchored to Jesus Christ, if I don't look at like, oh, get caught up in like that author, the speaker's so good, and I don't think like, well, I'm a good Christian because I do my devotions every day and I do the religiosity side of it, but if I just stick to the plan, stick to Jesus, just love Jesus above all else, go to him directly, just anchor your life to him, then you know what's gonna happen? Slowly, year after year in my life, I'm gonna increase and I'm gonna be blessed and I'm gonna be successful and I don't have to do the outward advertising and look at me how holy, just keep my head in the game, it's all about Jesus. Are you guys hearing me this morning? Anchored, the book of Hebrews is about to be really fun, we're gonna get into this, but Jesus above all else. Is that a good word? I got a challenge for you, okay? Because I want to give you something to do. I don't want you to just sit here in the air conditioning and be happy and then go out to the beach after this. I want you to do me a favor, and here's the challenge. Would you read the whole book of of Hebrews this week? There's 13 chapters. You can read it really easily. It doesn't take that long. But you're going to get an overview. You're going to get excited. It's an amazing book. Read the book of Hebrews before we start into the series next week. And here's the other thing. One last thing. This is a little harder. There's things in our life, if Jesus is supposed to be the anchor of everything in our life, there's areas of our life where he's not anchored. And we know it, right? And I don't know if it's money. I don't know if it's family. I don't know if it's your job. 
But I want, here's a challenge. I want you to pick one thing this week, one area of your life, that you are going to intentionally re-anchor to Jesus Christ. That means if your family is good, but you know that the anchor is kind of weak into Jesus Christ, then make a decision to say, I'm going to pray with my wife and kids every day this week because I need to get re-anchored in my family to Jesus Christ or whatever that looks like. And if it's money, man, money is my stability. It's my stronghold. You ever tried tithing? Oh, no, because then I, I wouldn't have my money. But everything in life, Jesus is an anchor for. So maybe you try tithing this week. Or maybe you give some of that money for godly purposes, towards his purposes or to someone, to bless someone. Anchor your money to Jesus Christ. Are you guys hearing me? Maybe it's anchor your free time or what you do at work. You show up for work every day. You ever tried praying over your workplace? You ever tried sharing Jesus with the guy in the cubicle next to you? What is something you need to do to say, if Jesus is the anchor for all of it, I need to re-anchor. I need to re-tie some of these lines to Jesus Christ as my anchor. So there's the challenge for this week. Read the book and re-anchor one area of your life to Jesus this week, whatever that looks like. Is that good? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. God, we come before you right now, Lord, and we just thank you for who you are. We thank you, Jesus. You are that anchor in our lives. We thank you that you love us more than anybody could ever love us, Lord, that you're better than anyone that we know that, that could ever exist. And Lord, you're better than religion. You're better than man reaching out to God because you are God reaching out to us. And we thank you for that. Father, And we just ask right now that you would help us this week as we just kind of take inventory and look at what needs to be re-anchored to you. Lord, that you would show us something and that you would enable us through the power of your Holy Spirit to, to make whatever changes need to take place. And Lord, I want to ask right now, like as we're praying, if there's anybody in the room here that you've never anchored your life to Jesus in the first place, or maybe you kind of think you did a long time ago, but, but the line is broken since then and you have walked away and it's, it's not God's fault. The anchor is still holding firm, but maybe you're like that little dinghy, that boat that broke off. And the anchor is still there, but you've kind of come disconnected. I want to say a prayer with you right now. If that's, if that's you feeling like I, I need to anchor my life to Jesus. Basically, I want to say a prayer that allows you to be called a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. A person that says my life is surrendered to Jesus and I believe his plans for my life more than my plans for my life. And I will follow him all of my days here on earth into eternity where I will see him face to face. If that's a prayer that you would like to pray right now to commit your life to, to Jesus Christ, to being a Christian, I want to lead you in a prayer that would make that happen right now. A prayer that says you, you trust in what he did. He came from heaven to earth. He came down. He lived this, all that we live through in life but without sin. And he went to the cross to pay the price for our sin and separation from God because nobody can come into God's presence because of the sin, because we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. It tells us that in Romans. But because of Jesus, he took the hit so we don't have to. He paid the price so that we wouldn't have eternal separation from God. So if we believe in him and accept his message of what he's done for us, then we can have relationship with God the Father and we can have Jesus be our Savior and the Holy Spirit at work in our life, both now and on into eternity in heaven. So if that's something that you'd like this morning to really know what it is to be anchored to Jesus Christ, I want to say a prayer with you. And here's, here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to pray out loud the words with you and for you. But I'm going to ask you to pray quietly in your heart of hearts. You just speak to God right now. The words that I say out loud, you make them your words and you mean it in your heart of hearts to God. He hears you. He honors that prayer. And your life will begin to change. You'll begin to do new things. But you need to, we need to officially connect with him and let him know. 
After service, you can confess it with your mouth. You can speak it out loud. You can tell people, I pray that prayer. I'm a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. But right now, let's do the heart thing. I want you to join me in this prayer. But I just want to know one thing. If that was you that feels like praying that prayer right now with me right here, there's no shame in this. The people seated around you have their eyes closed and their heads bowed. I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to ask you, if you're going to pray this with me, to raise your hand to let me know that I get the privilege and honor of leading you into this incredible relationship that anchors you to Jesus Christ forever. So if you want to become a Christian, you want to make this commitment right now on the count of three, would you raise your hand and then we'll pray this prayer together real quick and simple. One, two, three. Would you just raise your hand? I see one hand over here. I see two. I see three, four, five, six, seven. I'm looking around. Just hold them up. If I didn't see you, just kind of wave at me. I saw about seven people in the house here today. Amen. Thank you, Father. Go ahead and put your hands down. Just pray this with me in your heart right now to God. He's the one that, that, that's listening and he can't wait to hear what you, you're praying in your heart right now. God, here we are together right now. And God, this is the prayer of our heart. We need you. We, we, we want to know what it is to love you. We hear that you love us, Lord, and we want to take advantage of that. Lord, we realize that you've been calling out to us for a long time. All you want to do is bless our lives and bless our lives eternally. And this isn't something about religion or some cult that you're signing up for. This is just a relationship with the God that created us that allows us to have relationship through his son, Jesus, the one that anchors us to God. And so, God, here we are today saying yes to all that you have for us. Jesus, we believe that you came to this earth to die on that cross to pay for our penalty of sins. Lord, that we would know you. And we believe that you went to that cross to buy us back from the world, from the enemy, the devil, is that we could belong to you again, Lord, that we could become your kids and and that, that you would love us as a father. So, Lord, we believe what Jesus did in dying on the cross, and we believe that he did actually physically rise from the dead to prove that he's the son of God and that he has power like no one else over death, over sin, over guilt, shame, baggage, issues, all the junk we carry with us. Lord, you died for that to forgive us and to make us right with you. Lord, we believe that, we receive that, and from here on out, we will live that. Thank you for for being our God. Thank you for the work you're about to do in our lives. Thank you that we have an anchor now that is both firm and steady and steadfast and trustworthy. We have hope because of Jesus. Thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we say, amen. Amen. Praise God for those people that joined us in prayer this morning.